Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you, uh, Rachel and the team. Thank you so much for leading us thoughtfully and prayerfully in worship. I found my heart really lifted up to God there, especially that song, O Come Come Emmanuel, just that that call to rejoice. And uh, there's a lot happening in our world and our lives sometimes where where joy seems difficult and, and far away and just that exhortation to to keep uh, joy before us, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. Hey, a question I've got to ask is, um, are we a joyless nation? Are we, are we a joyless nation? I think there's differences of opinion about that, and that's okay. I don't plan to weigh in on that uh, in some sort of final sense. But as we begin a new series today, uh, around Christmas, we want to look at a few things. Today, we're going to look at Christmas equals joy. Next week, Christmas equals kids' nativity play. After that, the week after, uh, Trent, our youth and young adults pastor, will preach on Christmas equals... What is it, Trent? Yeah. Peace. Peace. Peace on earth. (laughs) Christmas equals peace. And then Christmas Day, we meet at 9am. Apparently, that's what I've been told for a three-hour service. So... (laughs) Christmas Day, I'm going to be preaching on Christmas equals patience. No, I'm going to be preaching on Christmas equals love on Christmas Day, and it'll be a short service, so if you're roasting turkey or grilling prawns on the barbie, you'll be fine. So that's where we're heading the next few weeks, but this morning, Christmas equals joy. Now, mental health statistics in Australia show that a lot of people in Australia, at any one time, around 3 million people, uh, are struggling with with some sort of debilitating depression or anxiety at any one time. So today, around 3 million Australians, not just the kind of anxiety or that you know you get a bit down and you have a flat day, a flat week, or you, you get a bit uptight, nervous, tense or whatever. This is like debilitating, like I can't function properly, anxiety and depression. 3 million. We think about how, how wealthy Australia is, how, how peaceful Australia has been for decades and decades, and, and these stats you know, have just, the last year and a half have just, have just soared upwards, especially among, like, 30s under, you know, millennials and Generation Y. These statistics under COVID have just ramped up, particularly in that age group. Uh, it's quite serious. Um, so this morning when I talk about joy, you know, I realise that there'll be people here, people listening, that that's going to be a difficult thing to comprehend or understand. If you're experiencing you know, some level of depression or anxiety or, or mental, mental illness, mental health struggle. And, and I also want to just put up front that as we talk this morning, I'm not suggesting that, that Christians should always be joyful and, and never experience, that they never experience depression or anxiety or mental illness. That's just not true. Uh, but we want to talk about joy this morning as, as Jesus offers us joy as we look at the Christmas story, what that means for joy and what joy is but also understanding that you know, knowing Jesus uh, is a joyful thing, but it doesn't make necessarily all of our problems or struggles, physical, mental or emotional, just disappear because we believe in Jesus. So I think that's important to say uh, up front as we begin. But actually, we're not going to begin. We're going to start at the end, okay? Because there's an interesting um, thing to see what Jesus does just before he goes to the cross to offer his life, to suffer and die for all of us. He speaks to his disciples as he prepares them for his departure. He speaks to them about joy. 
which I found, found, found astounding. So we're, we're going to get to the Christmas part of the story, the baby Jesus in the manger part. But let's just start at the end and see Jesus just the night or week before he's, he's about to go to the cross. Listen to what he says to his disciples. Uh, it's quite astounding. He's, he's about to be arrested, falsely accused, interrogated for hours, beaten, whipped, spat on, let out to die by the agonizing and humiliating form of execution called crucifixion. And what is he talking to his followers about? A number of things, but one of them is joy. He talks to them about joy. And this is a couple of things of what he says. Very truly, I tell you that you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And so it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And then a little bit later in John 17, in what we call the high priestly prayer, as Jesus prays one of his final prayers on earth, he says, I'm coming to you now, Father, Heavenly Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. This is Jesus just before he goes to the cross. He's reminding his disciples there will be dark times, there will be grief, there will be difficult times. But joy will always win out in the end. Joy will always come, even though it's dark, even though it's a time of grieving, even though it's a time of sadness and sorrow. Because of what he's about to do, joy will always come. Joy will always follow. So that's the, the end. Let's go to the beginning of the story. Let's go back 700 years to the prophet Isaiah, around 700 years before Jesus came, and a prophecy that we believe is, is a prophecy of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the prophet says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, God, and let's say this last bit together, and increased their joy that the birth of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, would, would come into a dark world, a world broken and hurting, but joy would increase when the Messiah came and joy would be more possible through his coming. And listen to the angel announced to the birth, the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, or shepherds watch their flocks by night. I hope we sing that carol. It's a great one too, just putting that in there as one of my favorites, but uh, we don't have to do it. There's lots of good carols. The shepherd said, to the, the angel said to the shepherd, do not be afraid, which is always what angels say in the Bible when they appear, because most people freak out. Exactly, as you would, right? So the first things angels always say is, don't be afraid, chill out. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I'll bring you good news. I'll bring you good news that's great joy for all the people. And what's that news? It's the news of Jesus, the Messiah being born. Jesus' birth is steeped in joy 
And just before he goes to the cross to offer his life in love for us all, he speaks to his followers about joy. That's all very good. But what is joy? What is joy? Well, let's start with the American Psychological Association in their textbook definition of joy, because it's very interesting how they describe joy. A feeling of extreme gladness, delight, or exaltation of the spirit arising from a sense of well-being or satisfaction. A feeling of extreme gladness, delight, exaltation of the spirit arising from a sense of well-being and satisfaction. What I find interesting about that definition is that it actually can't describe joy without referring to spiritual terms. If you, if you listen to it, it's a secular organisation, but it talks about the exaltation of the spirit. They, they intuitively get that joy is spiritual. Joy is a spiritual reality. And for us who believe in Christ, joy comes from God. Joy is a Christian uh, fruit of the spirit. Joy is part of God's nature and character. As one writer has said, for the biblical writers, joy is rooted in God, in what he has done for people in general and his own people in particular. Joy marks the people of God both individually and corporately. Another writer goes on to say, joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It is expected of Christians because it is the natural result of having received salvation. So joy is twofold. It's like what God has done for us. That's like passive joy. We, we receive that. God has done so much for us. So we receive that in, in joyful appreciation. But then as we share, as we live, as we share this news, we become active participants in that joy. When we gather together each week together like this to sing, to pray, we share that joy and we actively participate in the sharing of that joy. In fact, the Bible describes really that God is joy. The Bible says God is love, but actually joy is, our God is joyful. Our God is loving, just, patient, righteous, holy, awesome, but our God is joyful. Have you ever wondered the joy that God had in creating the heavens and the earth? How joyful that was for God to create the heavens and the earth, the joy that God experienced in creation. God is joyful. God is joyful. Luke 21 says, at that time, Jesus, when the disciples came back from their, their kind of first mission trip, he was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And the disciples in Acts were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The presence of God, the presence of his Spirit and joy come together. For the kingdom of God, says Paul, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit we see in Galatians is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, and so on. God is joyful. Christmas equals joy because, this is the next point I want to make, Christmas equals joy because God remembers to forget. <laughs> I know it's early. Christmas equals joy because God remembers to forget. Now, what do I mean by that? 
Christmas equals joy because God remembers to forget. Well, you see in the Christmas story that God remembers to be merciful and loving towards his people. He had promised to come one day to save them, to show mercy, to do a great work, to bring salvation. He, and in the Christmas story, when Jesus' birth is announced by the angels, when he, he comes, we see that God remembers. God remembers to be merciful. He remembers to be gracious and to save his people. He remembers. And that's why Christmas equals joy, because God hasn't forgotten us. But we also see in the Christmas story um, that God forgets. God forgets our sins. He remembers to be merciful and he, for, he chooses to forget our sins. Listen to what the angel said to Mary. Oh, sorry, to someone. <laughs> this is from Matthew. The angel, one of the announcements, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. I think this was to Joseph. Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. And then in Hebrews 8, um, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Isn't that interesting that God, who knows everything, we call that word omniscient, he knows everything, beginning, middle, end, everything, things that haven't been yet, God knows. But then he can choose to forget. <laughs> he can willingly choose to forget. So Christmas is good news because God remembers. God remembers to be merciful and he remembers to be loving. Christmas is good news because God chooses to forget. He chooses to forget through and in Jesus our sins, our wickedness, our falling short. It's good news because he chooses to forget. Guilt and shame, they weigh us down and they separate us from God. If there's, there's no better news for human beings who have to stand before a holy and just God, there's no better news to know that we are free from judgment. We are free from our sins against this just and holy God. Our guilt and our shame has been washed away. That's good news. Now, I should just say, I've done, if you want some notes from the message, they're here, but in the notes, it actually says that our quilt and our shame is washed away. <laughs> so if you have a quilt, that's good news, but it, you can wash that whenever you want, but it should be guilt and shame. <laughs> so um, that's okay. Spell check didn't quite work on that one. Christmas is good news because God chooses to forget and God remembers. Christmas is good news because joy is contagious. Uh, we all know about contagion at the moment. That's why you're wearing masks. We know about transmissibility and, and viral transmission, of course. But Christmas is joy because it's contagious. The, the good news of Jesus is to be shared. And you think of the story of Christmas. I love Luke's version. I love them all, but well, Matthew and John does a bit of a one. I love it because there's so many crazy characters in the story. There's like a young teenage girl called Mary who becomes pregnant scandalizes the, the community. There, there's Joseph who doesn't know what to do with this. There's a couple of really old people, Simeon and Anna. Um, there's the shepherds, the kind of, they were the bad dudes, 
kind of of, of the day. They were, they were often very unruly and untrustworthy characters. There's so many different... There's King Herod. Although he doesn't get much of a look in, really. He's a bad guy. But there's so many different people coming together in the Christmas story, and, and it's contagious. And, and I love what Clinton E. Arnold, one biblical scholar, says, "...the coming of the Messiah who delivers his people and brings salvation becomes the basis for rejoicing in the whole New Testament." The response of joy, gladness and happiness is not only a deep inward feeling, but is expressed in celebration when God's people gather together. In the Old Testament, this concept of joyous celebration, jubilant singing and praise to God, that provides the model for the New Testament Christians. The New Testament stresses that joy is to be shared. Joy is contagious and Christmas is good news. The joy that Jesus gives us is communal and it creates community. It brings diverse and different people together in unity around him and through him. Uh, It doesn't mean we all have to be the same. It's not uniformity, but it's unity in him. And not only that, but the early church, you'll see that when they experienced joy as a church community and they learned this from Jesus, their joy was around seeing other people discover the joy. That's what really gave them, that's what magnified their joy together, was their mission. As they saw the good news of Jesus meet broken people and and depressed people and anxious people and sinful bad people, and they saw the message of Jesus break through into their lives and saw their lives transformed, the joy was contagious and it brought them so much joy to see other people experiencing the joy of Jesus. And didn't Jesus say that in Luke 15? He talked about the lost coin, um, the lost sheep, the lost son, that when they return, there's so much joy in heaven when one sinner, when one lost son or daughter returns to God, there's so much joy in heaven. And that joy marked the early church as they saw um, people come home to God. This is what the apostle um, I'll just do quick one quick one. I found this article this week, The Science Behind the Joy of Sharing Joy. The bottom line, this is from the article, sharing our joy increases joy, says the scientific research. That's good because that's what the Bible says too. <laughs> but you've got to have a source for joy and Jesus is the greatest source of joy and the greatest reason for joy. And the early church, when they, they saw people meet him, this is what Paul says to the Thessalonians. He's, you know, he planted this community. He preached the gospel there and they received the good news of Jesus. And he says, what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? You are our glory and our joy. And then the apostle John writes to believers and says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children people who've come to faith in Jesus through his ministry are walking in the truth. And I can testify to that as a pastor, baptizing people, seeing people come to know Christ, seeing you know, unruly, kind of um, you know, difficult, rebellious teenagers and young adults coming to surrender their life to Jesus and follow him. It's just, I mean, there's, it's, it's a wonderful gift. It's a great thing for all of us to be involved in that contagious joy. So Christmas equals joy because joy is contagious. But as we head into communion in a few moments, I think we need to also see the biblical perspective on joy, that Christmas equals joy because joy welcomes suffering. Joy welcomes suffering. It's kind of anti-intuitive maybe or 
what do you mean? Like, how can they be suffering with joy? But actually, if, if you've read the scriptures, which many of you have, you'll know that this is true. That joy welcomes suffering. Joy because sadness and suffering. Christmas equals joy because sadness and suffering don't extinguish the joy that Jesus gives. But we do experience sadness, suffering, sorrow, grief. We do experience disappointment. Some very great ones. And if you could gather up in this room the disappointments, the sorrows, the suffering that you've experienced as a follower of Jesus, it would be great. But it doesn't extinguish joy. And it doesn't mean that joy can't still be a possibility. Clinton Arnold again says, The deep-rooted joy of the Christian is not abated, not stopped, when the circumstances of daily life are adverse. Joy is experienced in suffering and even persecution. This was the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount and the experience of the early church. They had great persecution, great suffering. Imagine 10 out of the 12 apostles were killed before their time for their faith. The Christian church by that time was thousands of people. It wasn't huge. Imagine in Mount Barker losing 10 senior Christian leaders through execution in the period of the next few years. It was serious, and yet they had the joy of the Holy Spirit in that suffering and in those trials. And the Apostle Peter, um, he said it like this as he wrote to the churches, "...in all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials." And then he writes again a bit later, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Just stop there for a moment. Just think about that. Rejoice, be joyful, even though you participate in the sufferings of Christ. How did Christ suffer? It's very serious, wasn't it? It's very intense. Jesus, uh, Peter is saying, even Jesus, as he suffered so intensely... I encourage you, joy is possible. Joy is possible even in the midst of intense suffering. Joy is possible. It's not happiness. It's joy. It comes from God. It's part of who he is. It's part of seeing what is to come. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Joy is possible. There's a difference between joy and happiness. I won't go into it, but they are quite different. Happiness is often based on circumstances, things working out, going well. Joy is deeper and richer. It comes from God and can't be extinguished and is possible in the midst of suffering. Now, Amanda and I know this in our own lives. We we prayed many prayers over many years. Many people prayed for us that we would have a baby, that we would have children. And that was something that, for his reasons that he knows, our Heavenly Father didn't bring into our lives. And the sorrow, the sadness, the grief, The pain of that has been immense and it's been really hard and it still is. There's not a week goes past where someone we meet is like, oh, how how many children do you have or how old are your children? You kind of deal with it every week and that's fine, you know, there's no no big deal people asking that but you're reminded of this, this hole, this loss in our lives that we longed for and hoped for and prayed for and God, in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, Uh, didn't answer those prayers how we wanted them to be answered. But um, there's no way of guilting this. It's just hard and it's difficult. But what we've learned 
in the midst of that sorrow, in the midst of that ongoing grief in many ways, is that joy is possible. That knowing Jesus is the greatest thing and no one can take that away from us. We, we have the, the possibility for us both is, is through this is that it could have t- t- torn us apart, it could have fractured our relationship, it could have crushed us. But the possibility was there and God has helped us see that Jesus has become more real, more central. We've become more dependent on him through this and that's a blessing and that's been a great thing for us and this psalm 30 says it beautifully this is kind of our experience and for many people weeping may linger for the night but joy comes in the morning and for amanda and i we are weeping for a night maybe a lifetime but in god's perspective it's a night and we know that one day joy is coming in the morning and this is what the prophet isaiah says about the redeemed as they enter into the heavenly kingdom. Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's the hope. That's the destiny. That's the future of everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. That's our destiny. That's our future. But for a morning, for a time, there is sorrow and sighing. For a, more, for a, more, for a time, there, there is difficulty. And so a word to those here, probably most people, who are carrying some sort of grief or disappointment or hurt or sadness or longing in your life that is unfulfilled. God cares. God knows. God sees and God weeps with us for the night. Only for the night because joy will come in the morning. And I love what one writer said about Easter that on the cross God weeps with us so that one day we may laugh with him. And we've got to understand that as Christians, sometimes we're too we want to push people over into joy too quickly. We want to rush people to joy because we're a bit uncomfortable with maybe sitting in the pain and the mess. Joy is coming. It can't be stopped joy is on its way but we also need to weep with those who weep mourn with those who mourn with the hope of joy coming christmas is good news because joy welcomes suffering and we know how this story ends the book of revelation i heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters, the loud peals of thunder and shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice. Let us be glad. Let us give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And one of the most astounding passages in the Bible, and there are many, in fact all of them are astounding, is this one here. And this is back to where we began. We'll finish as we started. 
The writer to the Hebrews says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And why this is astounding to me is Jesus faced the cross because he saw the joy of heaven that he would return to, But more than that, I think, he saw the multitudes who he would save through this act, through his death. He saw you. He saw me. And he was filled with joy as he looked through the cross. He endured its shame, its scorn, its agony, its humiliation, because it was just for a night. And then he knew that joy would come in the morning. Christmas equals joy because God remembers to show mercy and he remembers his love and he forgets our sins. Christmas equals joy because joy is contagious. It's to be shared and it unites people. Christmas equals joy because joy welcomes suffering, isn't ashamed of it, but knows that suffering doesn't extinguish joy and that joy always in Jesus comes in the morning. Let me pray as the team comes up and then we're going to share communion. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus, that it is good news of great joy for all people. Heavenly Father, thank you that in your word you show us that we need to be real and open and honest about where we are, who we are, how life is going. We can come to you in all of the complexity of life. We don't have to feel ashamed or afraid if we're depressed or anxious or fearful or afraid or going through a difficult, difficult season. Thank you that you welcome us in Jesus, that he was the man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and yet who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Father, help us to face the sorrows and the suffering and the grief, the disappointments, the unfulfilled longings of this life with this truth burnt into our heart, that joy, joy comes in the morning, that Christmas equals joy because you have come. You have not forgotten us. You have forgotten our sins and you have saved us. You have made a way for people to know you, to know your joy. Father, we pray for our world. We see Uh, much brokenness and much hardship, much suffering. As as we heard a little bit earlier this morning, poverty increasing. Lord, there's so much brokenness. Help us be a community that shares the joy of Jesus, shares the joy of the good news of Jesus and shares our lives and, and blesses and helps others as we follow you. Father, help us know your joy afresh. Increase our joy, we pray. Amen. The team's going to lead us in song now. You guys want to get going with this this song. If those sharing communion could come up, and while we take and share communion, uh, they're going to sing this song, and you might want to might want to just listen, or you might want to sing along with them. Uh, but that's up to you. So I'll just start to, with communion. I need some those serving come up uh, would be great, and uh, I'm not serving so. I don't need gloves, I think. Joel, would you mind helping? Thanks. We just need one more. Um, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, as I read earlier in the message, he talked to his disciples about joy. He talked about what this meal meant. 
He talked about the bread that was his body that would be broken. He talked about the cup that was his blood that would be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And he talked about the joy that would come once he was risen from the dead. The Apostle Paul said that when we eat this bread and when we drink this cup, we proclaim, we remember the Lord's death. We remember his death for our sins. He laid down his life for us. We remember that. And he also said, but we also proclaim and remember that Jesus will come again, that he will come again. And that's what we look forward to. So it's a meal of sorrow. It's a meal of sadness as we remember that our sins were the cause of Jesus' life being offered in death on a cross. But we remember it's a meal of joy as we look ahead to that day when we all eat this meal and drink this cup in the kingdom of God with one another and with our great Lord Jesus. So if you love the Lord and you would like to love him more, you're invited to this meal. You come up and our servers will serve you and take the bread and the cup back to your seat. You can eat the bread as you like and then we'll hold the cup and we'll drink together as a symbol of our unity and our oneness in Christ. So let me pray. Father, we come to this meal with no merit, no, nothing to commend ourselves, with no pedigree, uh, no learning, nothing that commends us to you other than Jesus, the one who came, the one who lived the perfect life, the one who died, the one who was raised to life, the one who ascended to your right hand, the one who will come again to judge the living and the dead. We eat and we drink in his name. Father, forgive us our sins. Forgive us where we've fallen short in, in thought, in word, in deed. Lord, forgive us where we, we haven't done things that we could have done that would have blessed you and blessed others. Lord, forgive us. We pray in the name of Jesus and increase our joy as we take this bread, as we hold this cup, to know that mourning and sadness and sorrow may last for the night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. Because of Jesus, thank you, God. Amen.